been fiddling with it. Yes, the recording is in progress. Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. We've all heard the recording is in progress on Zoom for the last <laughs> few years, so we know that lady's voice. Um, welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I have a fun guest on today. Please introduce yourself. My name is Richard Moore, Roger. Thank you so much for having me on here. And uh, so I, I, I do a number of things, but the short version is I help people with conversion. So, you know, actual deals from, uh, from content uh, that's my current focus. Uh, but it's about 18, 19 years I've been in the sales space in general. And, and currently, as of three, four years ago, uh, I dabble in doing it through LinkedIn. And you and I met probably through Facebook uh, many years back. And we were fortunate enough to hang out uh, in America already three years ago, I think it was. And so uh, it's so good I, to be here. I, and, can, uh, thanks I, for can for, I can vouch for Richard. He's a, he's a good guy. He's, he's definitely worth employing if you need to employ him. Uh, he came out to the first Bobby the Bear film, which we mm. uh, which will come out eventually here as soon as we get the other two shot post-COVID. <laughs> um, but um, he's a good guy. And he's you can tell from his accent, he is um, Canadian. No, he's British. <laughs> uh, way more polite than me. Thanks to everybody that's supporting Do Not Listen to this podcast. All the donations go to Feed Stray Cats and Dogs. I'm matching all the donations up to $10,000 April 1st. So just do whatever you can do. And we've fed thousands of stray cats and dogs. And uh, it's fun. That's it. Uh, yes, the cat fluencer behind the, the podcast died a couple of weeks ago. We're all sad. The dog fluencer is alive and well. I found video of him recently. Good stuff. So Richard, uh, first of all, I want to talk with you about events because mm. you are an event guy pre-pandemic. Yes. Pandemic wipes out the events. And probably the last event you went to was Boris's birthday party, right? That was probably the last event that you went to. I was going to know about that. I wasn't <laughs> yeah, there. I, thought it was, I thought it was a work event. It was a work event. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, you've got a good point i mean it's 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 changed forever and it's been very very strange and you know everything's everything's even the big uh trade shows i've been involved with one that was online and uh last year and it, it's just simply very different uh yeah we were we were involved with was it 26 events i did in just over a year these yep. are in-person ones uh raising money for charity um like your podcast does and it's just it was you know you just got to decide can this be as effective as I wanted it originally to be in person? I decided to pause and do something different. And it was, you know, it was one of those things that will resurrect as and when is possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I think too, we're now we're crossing into the third year mark on this thing. I was getting ready mm. to do a little tour uh, myself and I actually um, said, no, I'm going to not do that a little bit ahead of the curve. And then that's how kind of this podcast kind of got, amplified more um mm. so that's how i that's how i adjusted yes how did you adjust and 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 now we're getting into an area where you probably can start pre-planning events that might happen they might not mm. yes. what tips what tips would you give people what would you tell people to stay away from let's just kind of open up that yeah door. so so on your on your first question um uh, it was actually a blessing in a way uh, because I was doing two events a, one, a month, one international and one here in, in, uh, in the UK, in London. 
and it was very time consuming on top of the other work I did. So by by pausing it, I was able to free up some bandwidth and I and I launched a new product. So I built my accelerator and, and it's crazy. It's been a year and a half. But but that 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 was a, that was great. It allowed me to say, do you know what? Let's go all in on how I can be way more effective online. So that was my proposition as opposed to trying to do some kind of clunky version of it just virtually and so we have a get together every week there's still the event if you like on a Wednesday it's a vastly different in format but essentially I'm, I, there is that get together of people so I still have the elements that I personally selfishly wanted by making sure I was still speaking and so on so that plays into your second question of like how does it look if you're going to you know do a, a, a kind of currently pandemic or, or post-pandemic uh, event? How, how could you adapt? One thing you should be thinking, I believe, is start selfishly. What are the elements you really like about your event or the things you really want to do? And sure, networking, it's nice to meet people, but is it speaking? Is it fact you drive money, the fact you drive money into charity? Is it, you know, something else? And can you bring those elements in in some form? So, for instance, some people run events because they just like speaking. They like essentially doing a tour themselves, but also bringing in other speakers, too. So you can still run events. You just simply need to find a different mechanism or another way you're going to do it. And uh, live streams, for instance, being a wonderful way uh, to, to do that on, on a platform, say, such as LinkedIn. But I think, you know, what we need to be thinking is, is what can, what holds attention? And, and there's the fundamental difference, which I know if I go back as far as 2007, when I was running events in corporate and we were launching our first virtual events as well, couple of things stood out and one is that in person you are committed to that day slash set of hours and you show up physically and yeah you may not kind of be switched on the whole time but you've got you've given yourself to it whereas virtually there's much more this kind of transience uh kind of a, a focus towards it and so if I remember back to last year, I'm not going to name the event, but there was an event I went to where I was speaking. It was across three days, I think. And mm-hmm. there were meant to be thousands of people attending. When it was in person, this thing was a monster. Loads of people sure. coming in, a bit of a trade show too. Sure. But then when it was, um, honestly, when, when we had it online, it was like, I'm glad I asked to speak right at the start because we had this spike of people and then just no they one left. could be They left, that's right. Um, yeah, and people yeah, yeah. watched the yeah. replay, but it's not the same. So, you know, it's funny. I think one thing that I see in, on the consulting side is really kind of getting people to break up their anchoring. Mm. And so if you were doing events before the pandemic, I think you're at a disadvantage to the person that wasn't doing events pre-pandemic because the person not doing events pre-pandemic ha- has to figure it out the way it is now and doesn't have any kind of well, I had an event and there was a thousand people that came to it. And then uh, why is it back to 150? Yeah. So what, what advice? Yeah, they're, not, they're not trying to, you're right. They're not trying to force the, the, the original yeah. form. They're not trying to recreate. They're not trying to go back to 2019 like an idiot. Yeah. That's not yeah. going to happen. So, so I think, I think the best approach here is this kind of first principles approach. Sure. It's like, what truths do we know? What things definitely would work? What are the positives of live? How can I bring that format and make that work? 
And it's a very good idea to ask people who are like quite au fait with running a live event what things are a good idea. So, for instance, you think you might want to advertise that event quite far out, right? Because people, if it's in person, would naturally need to have it in their calendar, organize flights or travel and so on. It's different with live. You Often it's optimal to, to announce it two weeks before, because sometimes, because if it's like, I'm going to spend two hours listening to this thing, you know, people aren't going to bother signing up sometimes. So you've got to look at, look at what the strategies are and, and how it's very different. Um, people aren't going to be traveling so it's a very different set of considerations it's a way more streamlined way to get people to attend and you've got to be thinking to yourself hypothetically i may be dealing with a greater volume in multiples compared to what i would have had if it was in person right. where event maybe an intimate one was 50 people attending i might get 500 now simply because of the fact you know anyone can come from anywhere um so what would that need to look like am i going to be able to handle and moderate that uh, cool. If I'm doing a Q&A, for instance. So um, uh, get help as well, I think is a really good idea. But that should be straightforward, uh, a common sense point. My, my tip, and I'm seeing it, and I'm doing a set of free workshops for the first six months. Mm. And I did the character workshop last month. I'm doing a kind of how to make 24 grand this, this month. And I noticed mm. that e even in the workshop thing, you've got to just give them one task that they can complete yes. on their own pace and it can't take more than 15 minutes and then they get back and you can do the follow-up. And that's really, yeah. that's what I noticed is that you have to, it has to be really quick ninja tangible and focused on one-on-one -on -one more than one to many. Yeah. I've really found that. And you can feel it when you're yeah. doing them. If you just lecture, you better be stimulating because otherwise people aren't going to pay attention. You just remember when you're, when you're doing a live event, the seduction that the mobile phone has it's sitting right there is unreal like it's right. so easy for them if they're passively listening just to have another screen or browser window open and check something else or, or you know check out their phone so constant engagement is almost like it's a phone call as opposed to a, a, a talk i think that i think you're totally right that kind of interactivity is a good idea and the way you can do it is, for instance, webinar style, you can use a chat and say, like, everyone write whatever answer to a question. That kind of thing is a very strong way to keep people engaged. Uh, you just got to imagine the interest is dropping off a cliff. Uh, uh, otherwise, when they're in the room at an event, uh, like they, they kind of in, they're there and that's the end of it. There's very yeah, no, I, I agree. I found what we do is what we did last time that worked really well. And we'll do it again this time is. Um, mm -hmm. we just put up the content on a page at the website. It's got the videos and the written content. They can download it. Yep. It's not going to take them more than 15 minutes, but that goes away after a certain amount yeah. of time. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's, you can, it's easier. I can tell you the thing about virtual is easier to track success failure rates. Definitely. Definitely. Because you can see, okay, yeah. well, all these people signed up. I know they're not going to do it. They're going to, they're just signing up. I mean, the person, yeah. I don't, there's a whole group of people that just sign up to do stuff. Yeah, and definitely. Do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's the, the same people who buy books or yeah. courses and do them as well. Yeah. But, but one thing I really like doing um, is at the end, 
of say a, a talk i will assign a challenge or something right and it's interesting then, you, then you've got people having some follow-through maybe you've maybe you've taught them something or given them something really practical they can try out right. uh, and like you know i like to make them post about something on linkedin for instance and and then i can see if they've done it and it's just you know if you can stimulate it enough you've got these people actually taking some action and that can perpetuate really well the following event too yeah. It should be seen as a wholly different thing to 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 in person, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, they will tell you what your next event is if you listen to them. Quite right. Yes, agreed. So, what do you think is going? When do you think? Um, when do you think events will be? Let's say twenty five percent. Let's not even say one hundred percent. When do you think they'll be twenty five percent of what they used to be? <sighs> Yeah, it's a good question. I think what you've got here is is the fact that we probably are moving to a place very within this year. This is all conjecture, but within this year that that there's sufficient vaccines and booster jabs and so on and and tolerance and immunity that probably people feel that they can travel and go to events. But you have to remember the slightly longer term issue of acculturation to the to the new world and people some people are simply a little bit more fearful yeah. um there's a number of other other things as well such as i know a lot of companies have decided to just not bother traveling as a policy because what they've done is they've said to themselves well we can't travel let's see if how we can survive oh do you know what we're saving all this money and we're surviving so in the future let's not bother traveling right. and so it will take i think even longer Beyond it being practically possible, it'll take longer for people to culturally feel comfortable. So the answer to your question is, I, I think certainly not this year. I think I think it won't it won't be till twenty twenty three that people they just have to naturalize, don't you think? I do. I do, I do think that, and I think that. So I think it's interesting. I think local events could get back to fifty percent fairly quickly this year. Yeah. I think the I think, travels. I think international events. It's going to take two, three more years, because you, agree. the risk is the risk is even if you've taken all the precautions and you get to a foreign country and then you mm. get sick. Yeah. Or as is what happens here a lot. In fact, last year, for some reason, people decided when when there was like a little gap in restrictions to go book a holiday yeah. to oh, Portugal or something. So what yeah. happens is they go. And then the rules change. Yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> As that's, it happens. So, yeah, the people stranded in Europe, it was like, well, the oh, rules no. were this, uh, and there, but now they have to come back. Entirely. And we had people, a lot of people from Australia that were stranded for uh, almost two years, you know, so it, it's... I know someone who's literally in the UK right now from Australia who cannot get back. Yeah. They've had a family emergency and they cannot get back uh, because of because they've locked the borders. So you know, this is the, I think that's the big consideration. It's like, well, what the, we need a period of time where there's not been too much flux, flux yeah. rather in, in all of these, cha- in all of these rules. Yeah, don't, don't travel there unless you're prepared to move there. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> Unless you're prepared <laughs> to have a second destination. Exactly well, what, right. If if somebody was coming to you and they never did an event, ever in their life did mm-hmm. an event, what would your key tips be to them? Because you've done, I mean, you, you've done a bunch and you've not only done them domestically, but you've done them internationally. So what would be, if somebody was coming to you and saying, hey, okay, what, what do I need to know? And what do I need to not worry about? Those things. Yeah. 
Okay, really good question. So, so the, the number, if I can only give one tip for each point. So number one tip is attention is king. Like it is all of my events, I managed to get people attending without pushing that hard. There was mm -hmm. no cold calling and selling. People were like, oh my God, what a lovely idea. We'll totally mm -hmm. be there because I was focused on community. Right. And I remember back to 2019, or in fact, 2018, when I was running the first ones saying what a lot of people do is they build an event and then they try and get people to attend it. What right. I did instead was I built a community and then, and then gave them an event. Yeah, and that, and so when I essentially, there was this LinkedIn local thing that was going around as well. And, and so everyone had this same idea. It was like, well, we know each other online. Right. So, and everyone has a network online, go warm that up, then throw them a party basically. And I remember our first New York one in January, 2019, it was like, it filled instantly though. And I started sharing some of the friends who were going to be there and people were saying, oh my God, I have to be there. Yeah. Basically it's an excuse for a hangout. So uh, the leverage comes from the fact there's a bunch of like-minded people, sure, but even better, like-minded people who probably know each other a bit. So you can draw a crowd. It doesn't have to be hard, but I think that would be my number one tip because from there you can, you can like at least get a number of people showing up for it. And, and of course what, they will tell what should people. They will not waste time on what should they not do? What should they not overthink or. The, the one thing they shouldn't worry about or, or, or not concern themselves with is especially online, how people sign up. Mm. And it is, almost to the point of being expected that what happens is you tell everyone there's an event and they're like, oh, great. Some, of course, buy. You have a momentary spike in people buying the, buying tickets and then it's flat until mm -hmm. almost right before. And you nudge and cajole, cajole a bit, but it is just events that in the week before people like to sign up. They're like, oh yeah, there's that event. I'll sign up now. It's lots of intent, but they tend to do it last minute. And what's, well, I must add that, cultural stereotypes really come through and oh, yeah. we, uh, it was so it was so funny like, the best example was in um in barcelona right. and and you know the spanish our spanish friends are like they're so they're so relaxed about life and i love that and that's why we go there to to enjoy ourselves and so on and i remember my one of my friends who was running it with me who lives in barcelona she's like you know they're gonna all sign at last minute yep. and i i no kidding it was like at least a quarter of them signed up on the day. And I was like, it was killing me. But then well, yeah. you just learn this at the last minute. So don't sweat it. Within the last week, if not days, that's when the vast majority will sign up. That's just people. And that's how it seems to be. Yeah, like the Barcelona, they're going to treat it like tapas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, here we go. let's go. And I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I'm already in the room ready to host. And people were like, oh, we just thought we'd register on the way past. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. I got nothing else to do right now. So let me come to the event. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, what would you like people to take away that listen to the podcast? What would you like them to walk away with when it comes to events? I think actually you introduced the point really well, which is that you need to decide to unlearn how you how you feel an event should look based mm. on the let's call it the old world or, or the or the or the on of the offline world mm. you need to ask yourself what are the basics knowing yourself any listener uh what you know about your own experiences of of events online what's that gonna what's it gonna look like based on what things you tend to want to interact with do you, do you feel that audio works do you feel that video works does that really make a difference if it's someone's talking head what about length you know when you might have a half hour talk before if you're doing it online 
people's attention doesn't seem to be held because they're not committed to being in the room. So what does it look like if you maybe upped the number of speakers and had 10 minute talks instead? Just to start from the ground up and ask yourself, maybe even be a little cynical and say, like, what are people probably going to be turned off by? Mm-hmm. I, believe that, I believe that people probably already know the answers to these kind of questions because they've experienced virtually enough themselves. And uh, that should be your start point, not how do we kind of force this offline event to simply be broadcast online? It doesn't work so well. Mm-hmm. In fact, I tried it. I, when I had my in-person events, I also streamed them live and no one was interested <laughs> because okay. it's a format that doesn't carry so well right. virtually unless you have some big celebrity, which right. I didn't. Right. Well, great. thanks for coming on the show. It's always great You're to catch so up. so welcome. And... Uh, Take all that video evidence of the Boris birthday to the police station immediately. (laughs) He's a naughty boy. Let's just say that. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's right. (laughs) Hold on one second.